I know I'm not alone in the Washington, D.C. temple holding a special place in my heart, but when I think of that temple, my mind floods with memories made on those temple grounds. For starters, my story starts there as my parents were sealed in the Washington, D.C. temple 34 years ago this week. Many of my relatives were also sealed there. I remember many trips as a child waiting for my parents in the visitor center watching church commercials, knowing that when my parents finished their session, I would get a giant chocolate chip cookie. As a teenager, we made a bus trip up from North Carolina to see the Testaments in the Visitor Center and cried our eyes out at the end of the film. I did service projects, planting flowers on the grounds as a student at Southern Virginia University. And as I was a student at Brigham Young University, I completed an internship in the church's International and Public Affairs Office and was able to help plan the Festival of Lights, the Temple Grounds host each year. Most recently, my last conversation with my grandpa prior to his passing was him sharing memories of trips to the D.C. temple. In short, that temple is to me what it is to so many people, and I'm grateful today to celebrate its open house. Kent and Catherine Colton served as president and temple matron of the Washington, D.C. temple prior to its closing for renovations in March 2018. They are now serving as co-chairs of the Temple Open House Committee. Kent is the president of the Colton Housing Group and is a senior research fellow at the Harvard Joint Center for Housing Studies. Catherine has been a teacher, writer, and reading specialist. Together, the Coltons previously led the Florida-Tampa Mission. The couple also serves on the BYU Marriott School of Business National Advisory Council. This is All In, an LDS Living podcast where we ask the question, what does it really mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm Morgan Pearson, and I am so honored to be with brother and sister Kent and Catherine Colton today. Brother and sister Colton, welcome. Thank you. Thank We're you. We're happy to be here. Well, I have been so excited about this, and I have to tell you, everything about the Washington, D.C. temple for me brings back a lot of memories, as I'm sure it does for a lot of Latter-day Saints, especially those that have lived on the East Coast. But I wondered if we could start out, you were serving as temple president and matron of the Washington, D.C. temple at the time that it was announced that the temple would undergo renovations. Could you take me back to the day that you found out that the D.C. temple would be closed for renovation? It actually was not one particular day, but it was an evolution. Okay. When we began to serve, the plan was to basically do the remodeling of the Washington, D.C. temple in extended closures. And so, you know, you have your cleaning closure, and then they would take an extra couple of months. And we did that, but the dialogue began to go on between the temple department. Maybe there's enough that needs to be done. What we need to do is to close it. So it was really about a year and a half into our tenure that they finally came up and said, the temple is going to be closed for a year, maybe a year and a half. And uh, when we first heard that, that seemed like a long time. (laughs) And we weren't quite sure, wow, do we really think that's the best way? But, But as they had done these uh, extended closures, I think they each time they realize, boy, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, not only internally, but there are some opportunities here to really take a wonderful existing structure and to make it even better 
more majestical and, and more powerful. And, and so in the end, when we heard that, we were disappointed and we thought year and a half, two years was a long time. However, uh, it would be worth it. Uh, but at the same time, we didn't expect the pandemic. And so what's happened, of course, is a year and a half to two years is now turning into four years and five months. But it's all going to be worth it because now it's remodeled and it's done and we're excited. Well, it is. It's so exciting. And I think, you know, what an interesting opportunity for people that have driven by the temple for years and years to have the chance to go in and to experience what it's like inside the temple. The DC temple is something, like I said, that means a lot to me, but I understand that it means a lot to both of you as well and has for a long time. Why is that? Our love of the Washington, D.C. temple really began when we were, we were young. <laughs> we were actually, my husband was a graduate student in Boston, and I was teaching. And we learned that there was going to be a, a temple built in the east, in Washington, D.C. And for us, that was remarkable because our opportunity to go to a temple existed when we went back out west to Utah to see our families. But to have one in the east was really a thrill. And our bishop at the time was Richard Bushman. And he gave us the advice. He's, uh, we had the opportunity, first of all, to participate by giving private donations to the temple. And he suggested that we make those donations by performing some sacrifice, that they be a sacrifice rather than just pulling the money out of our pocket. And that was such good advice because, well, first of all, it wasn't hard to make it a sacrifice. We were dirt poor uh, students, <laughs> but it made us really reflect on what we value and what matters to us. And that became a high priority. So the, then once the temple was built and we were still in Boston, we would take a temple bus. It would leave Boston on a Thursday night around 8. We would drive through the night, arrive first thing in the morning uh, at the temple, and we would be in the temple all Friday doing one session after another. And then we would do a, a session on Saturday morning, uh, several sessions, and then jump on the bus and drive back home to be ready for the Sabbath on Sunday. So that was really our introduction so many years ago to the Washington, D.C. temple. And we've loved it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. I think it makes me think of a couple of things. So my grandparents got sealed in the Idaho Falls Temple because there was not a temple on the East Coast. And I said that to my husband the other day, and he was like, Idaho Falls? Why would they get sealed in Idaho Falls? And I was like, well, they drove to Utah from North Carolina and the temple was closed. So then they had to drive up to Idaho. And I think that, you know, that temple it meant so much to so many people because it was actually reachable. It was, it was not, you know, the trek across the country. And I think some people don't realize just how long members of the church in the Eastern part of the country were traveling across just to go to the temple. I think it also reminds me my last conversation with my grandpa, 
he was a bishop in North Carolina and he talked to me about these bus trips that his congregation would take up just to spend the day at the temple. And so I think for so many people, you know, it's not just a two hour session. It was this whole thing that they were doing. Um, Talk to me a little bit about what it meant to the both of you to have the chance to serve as temple president and matron. Um, when we were in the temple president seminar, uh, Elder Perry gave a talk, and it was entitled "The Spirit of the Temple," and uh, it, it really struck us how important it was to have the opportunity to serve in the temple and to really feel. The spirit of the temple, which, of course, this is the house of the Lord. And and the spirit is the spirit of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, of course, the spirit of the Holy Ghost to be a part of that. And, and what we discovered is that as we served, there were all kinds of wonderful tender mercies, things that happened, uh, the feelings that we would have. And it was the opportunity to be there to feel the spirit of the temple. And then related to that, it's the blessing and the chance to be at the temple almost every day. <laughs> because as you do that, uh, it, it's one thing to come once a week. It's another to come once a month. But when you're there almost every day, you're able to sort of block out the things of the world. One of the great things about the Washington, D.C. temple is it has a bridge, if you'll remember. And, and it was designed by the architect. So as you walk across the bridge, you put away the things of the world and you go forward to the things of the spirit and the spirit of the temple. And so being able there to each day be in the temple and feel the spirit of the temple was just wonderful for us. For me, I would have to say it was a wonderful blessing, really, to be able to do this together, because as a temple president and matron, you're engaged in this work cooperatively. I would oversee the women, and he would oversee the men and the administrative responsibilities. But to have that sweet interaction in the temple of being able to do that is such a humbling experience. I would add to that that um, for me, every day that I was in the temple, I had responsibilities to conduct and to take care of, but always in the back of my mind, overlaying everything else was this searching, this sense of pondering and reaching to that higher source, trying to understand better, trying to feel that connection more keenly. So being there every day gives you a, a unique opportunity to just kind of lose the world and keep that focus on that grand plan and that, that preparation that we're all about in the temple to progress to something better than even where we are now in this mortal world. Absolutely. I, I think that that has to be an incredible opportunity. What would you say that the two of you came to understand about the temple during that time that maybe you didn't understand before or that you wish people understood about, you know, what we learn in the temple? I, I, obviously, there are many, but just picking out one for me, and then Catherine can obviously share what's important for her. But for me, it's really to understand the blessing and the power of connection, both connection to, obviously, God the Father and Jesus Christ and the spirit that you feel in the temple, but connection to our ancestors. 
and the people that have gone before that are so important for us. Um, uh, just a, a, a quick illustration. We had a, a group came from Blacksburg, Virginia. It was a young single adult ward. They were going to uh, Virginia Tech University. And among that group was a, a young woman who was a relatively recent convert to the church. Joined the church, excited to be there, excited to be in the temple. She had done her family research and found you know, some relatives that she wanted to bring to the temple. But unfortunately, she discovered that somebody else had reserved those names. And so she really wasn't able to come to do her family ancestors, but still excited to be there, but a little disappointed. She arrived, and the baptistry assistant, the dear sister, gave her five cards so that she could do the, the work for five people that were not her ancestors. And, and again, she was glad to be there. She looked at those cards, and the assistant sort of watched her as she went through to one particular card, and she got this strange expression on her face, and, and she wondered if something was wrong. So she went to her, her and said, is that everything okay? And she said, with you know, some emotion, this is my grandmother. And so she was able in that experience to feel that connection to her grandmother and then the blessing, if you will, of the spirit of the temple, the kinds of things that do happen there on a regular basis. But that's just one illustration of how we are there connecting with Jesus Christ and God the Father, and we're there connecting with our ancestors, able to do this wonderful and powerful work. That's beautiful. Thank you. Sister Colton? Yeah, I would reflect on that notion of connection as well. For me, I don't think I really appreciated the place that the temple plays as a conduit between our earthly existence and our eternal existence, that it is really in the temple that we're kind of in that midway station preparing, we're, we're busy preparing for what is coming next. It's not just to support us in our mortal journey and give us insight and, and uh, guidance, but it is truly that con connecting piece that prepares us for what is coming next, prepares us to God and prepares us as a human family, first our own families and then the human family that we know God wants to bring home. I feel myself like becoming emotional a little bit. So you have to forgive me, but it just, the things that you're talking about call to mind. I, I had the chance to serve in the Salt Lake temple and my grandmother passed away about seven years ago and she and I were really, really close. And I can honestly say that it was during that time serving in the temple that I realized that she was still very much involved in my life and cared about me and what was going on. And, and I think that that is what, what happens in the temple is that we realize that the veil is just so much more thin than we give it credit for. Talk to me a little bit. You mentioned the bridge in, in the architecture that's kind of unique to the Washington, D.C. temple. Talk to me a little bit about the original construction of the temple and what you know about what makes this temple kind of unique. 
Well, the in the original planning stage, there were four architects that were working collaboratively to come up with just the right design for the temple. And they they did rendering after rendering and uh, were having, you know, kind of that stupor of thought of, I'm not sure this is really it. it and they continued to dig and try to, try to figure out what should inform the design of this temple. And in their discussions, a man by the name of Sid Folger, came up with a concept that perhaps we the the large recognizable temple for the LDS church is the church the temple in Salt Lake City and so they began to explore that notion of how could we build a temple that would reflect that beautiful temple in Salt Lake City but not be a complete replica of that but rather be its own but maybe a modern version of that temple. And with that thought, they began to think about the the six spires and the placement of those spires similarly to the Salt Lake Temple. And from there, it just began to find a place. Washington, D.C. is a place of monuments. And the D.C. Temple really is a monument when you look at it. It's clad in Alabama marble from top to bottom with those beautiful gold spires at the top. It is recognized here in Washington, D.C. now as the temple. They started out calling it the Washington, D.C. temple that you could see on the Beltway. But now in the traffic reports, they just say the temple <laughs> like that. This temple belongs to all of us. And it has truly become Washington, D.C.'s temple. I, I just might add a little bit to that related to one of the great architectural features and the beauty of this temple is the way it deals with light and especially glass art related to the light in the temple. If you've been to the temple before, prior to the renovation, you walk into the, the front of the temple and there's a, a glass mosaic behind the, the recommend desk. And before you'd walk in and it just looked like a piece of dark glass. When we were there serving and they were beginning to think about the renovation, they came back recognizing that there was a wonderful piece of glass art behind it on the tree of life, but they, but you couldn't see it. So they backlit one panel at a time and then projected that and showed us what was really behind that. And it was startling. So now, with the back lighting, you walk into the temple and you have this beautiful mosaic glass art of the Tree of Life. Also on the side of the temple are some wonderful um, glass up each of the sides that go the full length of the temple. With literally, in fact, we had to look up how many slabs of glass are in this. Oh, I, <laughs> countless. <laughs> but but anyway, just uh, a number of, of beautiful slabs. But it's it's a artwork French. It's called Dole de Verre, and it means broken slabs. And they're just little pieces. And each one of those little pieces of glass were removed during the course of the renovation. They were either replaced or uh, refurbished and polished and all put back in the appropriate place. And it's just amazing uh, to see the wonderful work that's there. But at, when it's at the 
When it's at the bottom, it's darker, purples, reds, etc. And as you go up closer to the top of the temple, it's, it gets lighter, and it's symbolic, if you will, of, of the light and getting closer to the light of God, the closer of Jesus Christ, and the light that we're all striving for when we go. And, and this glass art is found the length of each of the end towers in the temple. Wow. Well, I, I've loved seeing, you know, you mentioned that that piece of glass art when you first walk in was there all along, but it's now been backlit. And I've loved seeing the adjustments that have been made in the renovation. I love the cherry blossom. Is it the cherry blossom floor? Yes, the cherry blossom carpet in the gathering room in the sisters um, for the bride as she's with her her people uh, after she's uh, ready to go up to the ceiling. They they can gather there in that uh, lovely little bridal area and wait for the time to go up for the ceiling ceremony. Yeah, but it is it's a beautiful carpet that has been cut out to form cherry blossoms and then it appears that there are petals falling from the 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 cherry blossoms are kind of cascading from the initial blossom but they're kind of in the shape of a heart <laughs> and uh it is it's a unique um uh call out to where we live because uh, cherry blossoms are such a familiar beauty here in this area. And so it's kind of a shout out to the Washington, D.C. area. For sure. And while Sister Colton was talking, I quickly looked it up and there are 18,562 pieces. In the glass mosaic. Of beautiful broken glass. <laughs> That's amazing. That is a lot. That's a lot of pieces of glass. I mentioned before that when the Washington, D.C. temple initially opened, it was the first temple on the East Coast and the only active temple. Of course, Kirtland had been built before, but it was the only active temple in the eastern half of the United States. Could you talk to me about the significance in your minds of the Washington, D.C. temple for people who have lived on the East Coast? And what have you seen about how much this temple means to members from that part of the country? Well, as, as you said, Morgan, when when the temple for, was first opened, it was the only temple east of the Mississippi. And, and this was not only in the United States, but it went all the way up to Nova Scotia. It went down in the Caribbean. So it was it was the temple district for many, many years for many people in the eastern part of the United States. And they all grew to love that. That's where, as your parents you know, talked about they were they were married in that temple, and then when they left and left Washington D.C. or uh, you know went to someplace else, it was still their temple. And and so uh, whenever they go someplace, oftentimes really feel like the Washington D.C. temple is theirs. And and the perfect illustration of that was when the temple was closed. You know, they announced that the closure was going to occur, and 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 it said that the last day for the temple to be open is March fourth, uh, two thousand and eighteen. And and what you can imagine, you know, that that had a little bit of impact. But as the date got closer, more and more people began to come, <laughs> and especially in the last three months, and especially in January and February. There was this wonderful crescendo of people coming back to the temple. And, and what, 
we, we would talk to many of them because we'd have a chance to interact with them when they were serving or when ordinances were being performed. And almost everybody said this phrase, this is my temple. I can remember the, 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 the weekend before it was closed, there was this couple that just came and they said, we just flew out last night on the red eye from Los Angeles. We had to come one more time before the temple is closed because this is our temple. And so literally there are just thousands and thousands of people throughout, of course, the eastern part of the United States still, but I think throughout the world that view the Washington, D.C. temple as their temple, and, and we love it. And, it's, of course, it's a magnificent building, and it's just wonderful to go through there now and to see how it's been renovated and to see how powerful it is uh, as we have this open house. Yeah. Well, and I I love the idea that it's almost like a, a reunion. It's almost like a homecoming for a lot of people, this open house. Another thing that makes the temple unique in Washington, D.C. is its proximity to the United States Capitol. Many people have driven past the temple. Like I mentioned before on the Beltway, it kind of takes your breath away when you come around that curve and, and they wonder what this building is and what happens inside of it. How do you think this has added to the interest in the temple open house? Well, it's visibility, certainly. And as people have, they have wondered what, what this building is like. And many of them come in expecting it to be like a cathedral inside, that it's going to be this large open space. And it has been interesting to see their interest in how we organize the temple into areas of function. There are specific things that we do in different areas in the temple that are very meaningful. And so it, it, it is a surprise when they walk in, but a beautiful surprise. They quickly move from just the beauty of the temple to an interest in what we do in the temple. And that, that's been the great value of the open house is to be able to share that a dimension with people so openly. And we have found great kindness and interest in our, our faith practices. I've never thought about that, that people probably just think, you know, it's a giant open space on the inside, but I'm sure that that's true. What was your reaction when the two of you were asked to serve as co-chairs of the open house? Well, as you can tell from our previous conversation, we love the temple. And like many others, we have deep roots related to the Washington, D.C. temple. So, so it was wonderful, very humbling. However, we also knew it was going to be a lot of work. We didn't know it was going to be sort of two and a half to three years of work. But, <laughs> but the pandemic has uh, extended the opportunity to serve, if you will. But, but one of the things that I think we enjoyed the most uh, is that uh, they didn't call Catherine to serve as the chair. They didn't call Kent to serve as the chair. They called us to serve together as the co-chairs. And, and when they did that, Elder Duncan, who is the managing director of the Temple Department, made that call. They said this is the first time that they had done that. I think it's now a pattern that they want to follow going forward. So again, it is the opportunity to serve together uh, as husband and wife, but really as the co-chairs of this event. And that's really what it's been. She takes the lead on certain things. I take the lead on other things. And it's been a real blessing. 
We mentioned earlier that that the temple has an interesting proximity to our nation's capital, which means that a lot of politicians or people involved in government have been have had some kind of interaction with the temple or they understand, you know, that it's close by. What what is the significance of that for this open house? I think it is such a beacon for the members in this area to be able to come to the temple to lift their burdens. We have people who are involved in the highest levels of government. They're carrying the weight of knowing a lot of things that the rest of us don't know. And they come to the temple to find a place of peace, a place to kind of sort through this to know that there's actually a God in heaven who's in in charge, who knows us, who knows what's going on. And it is a place for them to kind of bear their burdens a little better as the intensity of this area weighs upon them. For example, we had one sister who would worked on a shift in the temple and came just one day of the week. And she would take the, you know, the night shift and get out of her, her very demanding job, which she had worked for the past four secretaries of defense. You can imagine the kind of pressure she was involved in. But she said, I just don't think I could manage this if I didn't have a place to come to find peace and refuge and to get my bearings so I could then go back out into the world and perform my job and feel hope again. So it, it, that is one example of many people who bear great responsibilities and for all of our members and for all of the people in this area who which is a place of it's a very fast lifestyle here and people are involved in in many pursuits and it's just such a comfort to have a place that can pull you out of all the all the Washington dialogue and find that there's a totally different place to interact Yes, I I completely agree with that. It kind of, it's similar to, I feel like the Manhattan Temple and that the Manhattan Temple, you know, sits in the middle of the city and it's kind of the same way you come around that beltway and you can be stuck in traffic. But if you can find your way into Bethesda and down that little road behind the temple, then you'll find peace. And I think there's a lot of beauty in that. What would you say has been the most memorable part of this experience for the two of you? For me, one of the most memorable parts of this has been the fact that it started on Easter morning. When they announced the timing for the open house, they initially said, and of course this is what happened, that uh, that the first day for the media seminar was going to be on the 18th of April, and that was the day after Easter. And it made us think, oh wow, we're going to be in the middle of Easter. <laughs> That's not a particularly great time to, to think about Easter and all the things that were involved. But as we were preparing for the open house, it it was interesting. It was it was busy. But such Colton has prepared our family book that goes through the sort of each day leading up to, of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Sunday morning. And as we would read that book and think about Jesus Christ and then think about all the things that were going on, going well, not going well, related to the open house. It was very powerful for us to think about that this building is a 
there for Jesus Christ and for to bring us closer to the Savior. And at the same time, is a chance for the Savior to return to his house, the house of the Lord, and to be able to be involved in that. And so then on Sunday morning, when it was Easter morning, uh, we, we got up, we were getting ready to go to a luncheon that was going to be ahead of time. And on CBS Morning News was Elder Bednar and Elder Christofferson doing a five-minute show with news cameras inside the Washington, D.T. Temple, proclaiming the purpose of what goes on in the temple, the wonderful blessings that come therein, the close that it brings us to the Savior on Easter morning. It was just a very powerful experience, uh, which is one of the memorable times for me. So I would say yes to everything he said, (laughs) but I would like to also add to that, as we have been involved in this open house preparation for this extended period of time, it has been so tender to see the how individuals have been prepared to give their all to this uh, event. Uh, they have the skills and the know-how, but they have the dedication, and they want to consecrate their experience in life, their job, their professional job training, whatever it is, that will allow them to then consecrate that to the Lord in um, in the use of their time and their effort to make this a wonderful open house. You can imagine that to do this open house is required hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And at every level from the committee that we put together initially to the subcommittees and more subcommittees and just all the volunteers who are part of this is such a, such a tender thing for us to see in terms of the dedication and the consecration that people are exhibiting as they are part of this temple open house. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what both of you said is profound and I love brother Colton, what you were saying about Easter Sunday. I remember when I was watching elder Bednar and elder Christofferson uh, talking about the temple on Easter Sunday, I thought that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. But when you really do stop and think about it, everything about what we do in the temple celebrates the resurrection and what it gives us the ability to to do and the knowledge that we have that families can be together forever and that we will be with those that we love again. And that's what we celebrate on Easter as well. What do the two of you hope that people take away from this open house? Well, I, I hope that people will feel closer to God that they will recognize that God gives us a path that can reunite us, that there's something bigger in life than TikTok or (laughs) some other form that, that can inform their lives. And whether they are in their own faith or in our faith, that if we all continue to strive toward the greater good. Uh, That's what I would hope people leave, feeling a sense of peace and a sense of possibility, a sense of hope that there is a way for us to um, heal our wounds that we inflict on each other and to come together as uh, children of God through all the divides that have separated us. Of course, I agree with Sister Colton, but just to sort of say that in another way. I think that we hope that people, as they come to the temple, 
will really feel the spirit of the temple. And what they will take away will be in this world, which is filled with conflict, it's filled with uh, adversity, it's filled with challenge, it's filled with social media and all those other things, that they will come again with a recognition that there is a higher purpose in life. We are God's children and they will feel peace, love and connection. What do you feel like the two of you will take away from this open house? Oh, that is a that is on so many levels. I think personally, together as a couple, there are just so many things we could think about. I would say that um, as we've moved forward in this effort, we recognize that we're it isn't our effort. <laughs> this is the effort of our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, wanting their children to know that they are loved that they are known, and that there is a place of peace. And I think that, for me, that's just such such a wonderful dimension to always try to cherish. I take away a deep sense of gratitude, first to a loving God and His Savior, you know, His Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, and the recognition of sort of giving us temples. But I also take uh, away a deep sense of gratitude of all the people that immerse themselves for hours and days, and in this case, years, in order to prepare for this moment. And uh, and they're just so thankful for them, thankful for the appreciation uh, that we've received and the leadership that we've received from the temple department, from, you know, the, the leaders of our church, the apostles that have spent their time to come out and lead tours, all of the other things that have gone on. It's, it's a moment of gratitude and thanks for us. Yeah, it's been a, a wonderful privilege to have uh, a number of apostles with us and to feel of their spirit and to recognize their commitment to the work in the temple. Uh, it just is such a primary focus in our faith and the way we practice our religion. And it's been just such a humbling experience to being with them and also a feeling of their love. Sister Colton, I, I loved what you mentioned about people are, are recognizing that this was not your effort, that this is the Lord's effort. And I think how different would so many things be if we approach them as this is not my effort, but something that the Lord, you know, is allowing me to be a part of. And, and that would change the, the outcome, I think, many times or the experience. Thank you both so much for taking the time to be with me. I'm so appreciative. My last question for you is, what does it mean to you to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? For me, I think that the answer is really very simple. And it is that that I would want to strive every day to draw closer to God. And I want to strive to fulfill my commitments and to honor my covenants to God and to live by my covenants as best I can. It means to me to look to God in all things, that He is the source of light and that that's where I can go for light, knowledge, and understanding. It's where I can go for peace. 
and security. So I'm all in as I look to our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ to be the source of all that I am. Thank you. Brother Colton? Two thoughts. The first takes me back to when I was serving my mission and my my mother would always send me little stories or little experiences. And one really hit me was a young man who had made his model, I'm third. And uh, it basically means first God, second fellow man, I'm third. And uh, that has been a real important thing throughout my life as, as I've tried to recognize the power and importance of service and the power of uh, being close to God first uh, constantly reaching out to others to serve if you can do that and recognize that I'm third. Also related that, it really is what we've learned so much in the temple. There is a loving Heavenly Father and He cares about us. We are involved in a strenuous, challenging, exciting journey throughout our life. But if we recognize the principles that we learn in the temple and always seek for that higher level, if you will, to be close to God and to follow his inspiration and to feel the spirit of the temple, that uh, it won't always be easy, but we will be able to feel that love and in this case, feel the spirit of the temple and the spirit of our Savior in our lives. Thank you both so much. I I hope that everything with the rest of the open house goes beautifully and that you know how much I appreciate you taking time in the middle of it all to talk with me. It's been our pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Morgan. It's been a real pleasure. We are so grateful to Catherine and Kent Colton for joining us on today's episode. The Washington, D.C. Temple Open House is open daily, excluding Sundays, from now until June 11th. You can learn more by visiting dctemple.org. Huge thanks to Derek Campbell of Mix It Six Studios for his help with this episode. And thank you so much for listening. We'll look forward to being with you again next week.